Hey, South Bend City Church, Mariah here, the Director of Art and Worship. We're so thankful that you chose to join us today and even more grateful that you're a part of our community. Just wanted to give you an update on a few things happening in the life of our community before we get to today's teaching. The first thing is I just wanted to let you know where we're heading here this summer. In late July and early August, we'll take four weeks to hear some personal reflections on stories from the Gospels in a series that we're loosely titling Jesus Stories. And trust me, if you think you know where this is going, you don't. Each week, a different teacher will take us into a different encounter with Jesus and we'll wrestle together with the strange, beautiful, and challenging things he says and does. And we'll look for ways to live differently in light of these encounters. I hope that you're pleasantly surprised by some of the stories that we look at and some of the things we get to pull from them. But I want to draw your attention to July 23rd, the first week of the series, which will also include a special send-off. For those of you that don't know, our lead pastor, Jason Miller, is releasing a book that shares his own journey with the eight blessings Jesus speaks in Matthew 5, sometimes called the Beatitudes. One of the opportunities and obligations he has with releasing this book is to take it on a book tour, so he'll be speaking at different churches around the country in the month of August. But on July 23rd, we'll have the opportunity to hear the story behind the book and a teaching from it, and we'll pray for Jason as he heads into a book tour where he'll share the message with some of our kindred church communities in other places. So if you're in the South Bend area, make sure that you're around on July 23rd. If you'd like to learn more about South Bend City Church's relationship to Jason's book, including the process our board and staff work through to create transparency and accountability related to its release, you can check out the podcast episode linked in the show notes below. As always, if you consider yourself to be a part of South Bend City Church, you can give. It's through your generosity, financially, and also in the ways in which you show up through volunteer hours and other ways that we're able to do what we do. So thank you so much for being a part of our community in that way. All right, so this Sunday we began a brief series on loving our neighbors well, and we were briefed on an opportunity for us to serve the students of Jefferson Traditional Middle School right here in South Bend. We're gonna first have the opportunity to hear a mini sermon from Jason, and then we take a minute for reflection. I'll be back to guide you through that. And then we had the opportunity to welcome Principal Shakita Adams to tell us more about her students, the things she loves about them and Jefferson, and the ways in which we can show up. All right, South Bend City Church, thanks for joining us. Let's jump in with the rest of our community now. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jason. Uh, if I don't know you, I'd love to meet you after the gathering. Today, I want to tell you a frustratingly simple story, a surprisingly sophisticated story. Uh, we want to offer a chance for reflection and an opportunity for contribution. Uh, that's our agenda. There's a lot going on today, but hopefully this will all flow for you. First of all, the uh, frustratingly simple story. So the place I live in right now, I moved there uh, almost four years ago now, uh, in August of 2019. And for the entirety of the time that I've lived there, I frequently walk out the front door and see right across the street, one particular neighbor who loves to work on his lawn and he's always out there tinkering with the property. And for the vast majority of that almost four years, I keep thinking to myself, I should introduce myself. That's my neighbor. I hadn't done it. And the frustrating thing is that like day after day, week after week, I'll take the trash out, he's right there, and I'll think to myself, one of these days, I should become the kind of person who walks over there and says hi. And then the really frustrating thing is that I did it, and it was fine. And that's the whole story, basically. There's a little more to it. I wondered about what it is that like, inhibits such an obvious, helpful action, especially when that action 
is aligned with the way that we preach and teach around here and the way that we talk about showing up, and there I am, the pastor, not doing it. And there's a lot of reasons for it. Some of them are good excuses, and some of them are terrible excuses. I'm a raging introvert. I'm a raging introvert, and so honestly, like, energetically, that stuff takes a lot out of me. Also, like, like you, I tend to move through every day thinking I don't have enough time for all the things, and that may or may not be true, but it feels that way. There's also this, and I'm not saying this is the only thing that was going on, but I think it was probably part of my reticence to take that really obvious, simple step. And it's the fact that when I looked across the street, I didn't see radical sameness as me. What I mean is like if I looked across the street and seen like a 40-year-old white dude pretending to be 28 years old, smoking a cigar, listening to melancholy hipster music, I would have thought, that's my people, right? <laughs> and it just would have like been smooth as silk, just step right over, right? But there were like a couple of like little visual indicators that are like, that's not quite sameness. And when we see something that's not sameness, that can be hard for a lot of us for lots of reasons. Maybe um, we don't know if we'll have as much to connect on or we don't sense the kind of safety that you sense with sameness because sameness for a lot of us is a proxy for safety, even though it may not actually be keeping you safe and difference might be really good for you, but it can feel like sameness is safety. And I'm not saying that was the only thing going on, but I have a feeling it would have happened more quickly if I would have looked across the street and seen radical sameness. So I make the trip over there and end up having a delightful conversation with this guy who turns out to be this like really warm, tender, wonderful human being with deep roots and stories right here in the city of South Bend. And I learned about the place where I live. And what I really discovered was that after that encounter, my home feels a little more like home to me, right? Because I look across and I don't see a stranger, I see a neighbor and that's just good for all of us. That's the frustratingly simple story. But in the back of my mind, as I was taking this um, very, very, very simple step, in the back of my mind was a surprisingly sophisticated story that Jesus tells. And I want to turn to that story now, and it's going to point us in a certain direction today. So there's a moment in Luke chapter 10. That's uh, Luke, one of the four biographies of Jesus that's in the New Testament. And in this Luke chapter 10 story, uh, Jesus is approached by a guy who's described as an expert in the law. And by law here, they mean uh, the code of instruction that was given to the Israelite people back in what we call the Old Testament. They're in like Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And this expert in the law comes to Jesus to test him, to kind of spar with him, to challenge him. And the expert says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is a way of saying, how do I make sure I'm aligned with God? How do I make sure I'm living in the current of God? What do I need to do? And Jesus doesn't answer the guy. He turns the question back on him and says, well, how do you read it? Which is a savvy move that Jesus often does in these interchanges, right? So Jesus asks this expert in the law, how do you read it? And the expert in the law lifts out two commandments from those texts. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you got it right. Bingo. And then this expert in the law asks the million-dollar question. He says, who's my neighbor? And right there, you have like a whole human pathology. And what I mean by that is the law is pretty simple and straightforward. Love God with all, all of yourself, with the wholeness of being, and love your neighbor as yourself. And all of this is somehow connected, our love for God and our love for each other. And then he says, who's my neighbor? As if to say, like, can you please give me a filtering matrix or a limiting principle on the law of love? Can you give me some kind of tool so that as I move through the world differentiating people, I can decide who is in and who is out and who I'm called to love and who I'm sort of let off the hook from loving that I can sort of move on from? And like, I think that's all of us moving through the world, partially because there's just so many people and there's so many needs and there's so much going on. But this travels with us, doesn't it? It travels with us in our family systems. 
in our schools, in our workplaces. It travels with us in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in our politics. Who's my neighbor? Jesus, please, please, please give me something that sort of narrows the obligation of this command. And in response to that question, Jesus tells a story. And this is the surprisingly sophisticated story because he does more than you might realize upon first reading. So I'm going to read it um, from my Bible because I just did a series on tech and devices. But it will be on the screen for you all. This is Luke chapter 10. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, this is currency, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Uh, Anybody familiar with this parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan? You've heard the phrase Good Samaritan? Yeah, very, very familiar, right? Um, I find that it's easy to miss some of the sophisticated things that Jesus is doing here. First of all, if you just like, I've, I've done this experimentally with people, if you just kind of rehearse the movements of the story with them, but you know, you've heard the parable of the Good Samaritan. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the question that initiated the parable? Oh, yeah, it's all about loving your neighbor and who's my neighbor. And if, if I can kind of lead people into answering quickly without thinking about it much, I'll say, and what's the answer? And they'll say, the Samaritan. But that's not the answer to this guy's question, right? This guy's asking, who am I supposed to love? Tell me, of all of the people in the world, who are my neighbors? Who are the people who fit into the category that are the recipients of my love? And then Jesus tells a story. And he tells a story about a nondescript victim. He gives you almost no details about the person in need of love. So to answer that guy's question, he gives him a non-answer, right? Because if he gives him any kind of concrete answer for who you're supposed to love... Jesus is just going along with the idea that you can divide the world between those who are your neighbors and those who are not. And you can divide them based on class or attribute or behavior or group. Like what, you can do that. And Jesus can't play along with that. So he gives them this kind of nondescript victim of violence here. And then he flips it. And he says, the question you really ought to be asking yourself is not who out there is worthy of your love, but whether you will live up to the law of love. Like, stop asking about who's out there and how you see them and start asking yourself about, like, what's going on with you and whether you will do the loving, do the act of loving. There's also something interesting here with uh, the scene. Uh, Maybe you noticed we read in the parable that a priest, when he saw the man, passed by on the other side. And so too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And I wondered there with the priest and the Levite, when it says that they saw the man, what did they see? For example, did they see an inconvenience? Uh, We have reason to think that in the imagination of this little parable, both the priest and the Levite are on their way to performing the work of their religious obligations for the roles that they fulfill. They don't want to be late for work. 
And they have religious obligations to fulfill in this work. So maybe they see this distraction that's an inconvenience for the timetable that they're on. Maybe they see a threat. This is a road that's known to be dangerous. Jesus' early uh, hearers would have known that this is a, a tricky part, kind of the Wild West, if you will. And to see somebody who's been beaten up by robbers on that road is as good as a sign on the road that says, beware, there are robbers nearby, right? And maybe they see somebody who's fallen victim to that and they realize for them, their own sake, like, this is tricky terrain. I don't want to get caught up in the same danger that came upon that person. So I, I don't know what they saw, but it seems pretty clear they didn't see what the Samaritans saw. By which I mean the humanity of this other person in need of compassion. The Samaritan moving along sees um, a human being in need of some care, and he simply like shows up for it. It's, it's not rocket science what the Samaritan does. He doesn't have to have an advanced degree in meeting these needs. He, he just understands there's something basic here, and he shows up for it because he saw the person as a human being, and he was moved with compassion. Now, um, there's one added layer of sophistication in the story that requires us to step outside chapter 10. Uh, and a number of commentators think that Luke, who tells the story, intentionally does what he does with this sort of framing placement. So remember, Jesus has just told a story that makes a Samaritan a hero, that lifts up a Samaritan who's um, a part of this sort of ethnic, religious, kind of divided world between Jews and Samaritans. And they have some conflicts over the practice of their religions and their lineages and backgrounds. Um, so you've got all the sort of makings of groupishness, right, of factions and fights and identities, right? Well, what's interesting is what happens in Luke 9 leading into this moment where Jesus tells a story that makes a hero of a Samaritan. It's a little detail you can miss it, but again, a number of commentators think this is placed where it is against this story for a reason. Let me show you what Jesus and his friends experience in Luke 9. He sent messengers on ahead, that's Jesus, these are some of his own people, who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him, but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. So these Samaritans have gotten wind that Jesus' agenda has to do with Jerusalem, which is the headquarters of Jewish life and religious practice, and therefore it's not sort of folding in Samaritan life and religious practice. And they decide, like, like you can just go kick dirt, man. We don't want you here. I mean, they explicitly reject him. On the long, weary road that they've been walking for quite a while, and then you turn the page, and on the, on the heels of that rejection from the Samaritan people, Jesus tells a story that makes a Samaritan a hero which can be read as him just doubling down on the very thing he's trying to teach, right? That he's not going to let the, the very rejection that he experienced cause him to turn against anyone because the point that he's making is you're not going to get anywhere by dividing the world between those that you can love and those that you, that you don't have to, that you can kick to the curb or seek for something less than their full humanity. You can sense the integrity in Jesus telling a story like this on the eve of that rejection uh, at a day and time where he probably was weary and in need of some support. Um, and then Jesus says, go and do likewise. Now, there's a lot about faith that's mysterious and complicated and calls for a lot of wrestling. And then there are parts of faith that are um, beautifully or, or troublingly clear. And to me, this is one of those moments in faith that's just like beautifully and troublingly clear. Go and do likewise. To follow Jesus, to live in the flow of eternal life with God, to be in the current of what God is doing in the world, is to move through the world recognizing when you see a neighbor in need and to do something about it. This takes us uh, to the opportunity for reflection. 
Uh, and then after this opportunity of reflection, uh, we're going to move into uh, a kind of a collective challenge for some group action as South Bend City Church and a way that we can love neighbors in this season. But before we get to that, uh, we wanted to, in real time, right here in our gathering, create some space. Uh, a few things that I know. One is a lot of us don't have um, a lot of time to reflect in our day-to-day life, and it might be good to actually sit with the scripture for a moment and just let it work on you. So uh, during the next eight to 10 minutes, one of the things that you can do if you would like is just to remain in your seat and on the screens, you'll see portions of the scripture that we just heard uh, presented back to you along with some questions to help you move further into listening to that text. And so that's one way that you could just navigate the next eight to 10 minutes, uh, let the guided reflection on the screen guide you through that time. Uh, Another way that you could do that though uh, is to pull out your phone and search for the South Bend City Church Collective on Facebook. How many of you know about the collective group on Facebook? A lot of you, not all of you probably, yeah. Uh, We don't always do a great job. I don't always do a great job of reminding you of this. Um, This is one of our online spaces that we've created so that community life can happen. The collective is a place where anybody who's a part of South and City Church, and by the way, if you're here today, you're a part of South and City Church, unless you don't want to be. That's fine too. But like, there's not like some membership hoop that you have to jump through. So anybody who's a part of South and City Church can join this collective group, and then you can use this space specifically for this to say, hey, here's something I'm doing, anybody wanna join me? And as long as the thing that you're doing is not like diametrically opposed to our values, it's fair game. So it could be as simple as, hey, I'm going to South Bend Cubs for a game because the weather's nice, anybody wanna come? However, today the request is more specific. Uh, Join the group and offer a post if there's anywhere in our community that you're already showing up and you wanna invite others to show up with you. Uh, one thing we know about the people of South and City Church is that so many of you are already out there in the life of our city, in the life of your neighborhoods, doing good, beautiful, loving things with partner organizations, nonprofits, schools, community groups. And it might be great for you to just elevate that and say, hey, here's what I'm up to. Anybody want to join me? And there might be somebody else who would be eager to take that step, but it just helps them to know that you're already there, right? So the request for the collective during this eight to 10 minutes is join the group if you haven't, and then anything you're doing that's active in the work of loving neighbors, whether it's showing up at your kids' school and volunteering, maybe you're over at Hope Ministries helping with the work that they do, maybe you're over at Casa de Amistad tutoring, whatever it is, if you're doing something in the community that's aligned with loving your neighbors and you want to invite others to join you, would you just put a post up and like let your sisters and brothers know about it? We'd love to know what you're doing so that we can join you. Uh, The one and only Zach Gillis will be real-time approving these posts, And so if you join, you should be able to get in the group pretty quickly and then uh, just offer what you're up to and that way others can join you. And then uh, the third option for this eight to 10 minutes, and you can do all these things if you want. Uh, We've got a city map in that corner that you all might have noticed. It's been there for quite a while. Uh, Years ago, we had a kind of city reflection liturgy where uh, we pinned places on that map where we've experienced the goodness of God. We did a dramatic and harrowing thing. We cleared the map. I know, right? Some of you feel uncomfortable. We felt uncomfortable about it too. But there comes moments in your life when you need to like stop resting on the laurels of past action and kind of refresh things for current action. And so we thought, you know what? That was really good and beautiful to reflect on that, but it's time to clear the map and own it again, right? And to do something with it. And so we've got two maps today and you've got these uh, little paper uh, tags on your seat. The invitation for the maps is to write on this tag, uh, where have you shown up? Uh, It could be like right there in your neighborhood. It could literally be taking a pie across the street to your neighbor. 
uh, or maybe it's in partnership with an organization, but where have you shown up or where will you show up? You want to like stake a claim and make a commitment about how you're going to do something? Or, and I love this one, where has someone, uh, individual, community, or organization shown up for you? Because the truth is a lot of us have probably been neighbored really well by other people, and it's also good to honor and celebrate that, right? So with these cards, you could literally just write the name of the location. Maybe it's a school, maybe it's your home or your neighborhood. You could also add some detail if you want about what it's been like for you to show up or for them to show up for you. And then you're just going to take this over to one of the maps, and there's pins at the maps, and you're going to pin this in the location where it applies. A couple more notes on the map. Um, it can be a little bit hard to locate yourself on a map like that, I know. Uh, you're going to see that there is an actual uh, South and City Church logo button pin on the map where South and City Church is. That's a little you are here indicator, right? Also, feel free if you need to to pull out your, your map on your phone and kind of compare notes to find it. True story, when I got here this morning, I was over at that map trying to find my home, and I was kind of squinting and looking closely. I'm not kidding, guys. I picked up my hand and tried to zoom in before I realized it wasn't the screen. <laughs> Somebody should teach a series on tech and what it's doing to us. I know the maps are a little bit tricky. Uh, some of us will be hanging around the maps too to help you find things. Um, if the place that you would like to pin falls outside the boundaries of the map, you matter less to us. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Gosh, guys, that's, that's the joke. If you fall outside the boundaries of the map, we still wanna see it. Just use the, the border area in the white in the kind of general direction of where your place is. We would love to see and celebrate all of that. It's just we didn't have room for a map the size of Indiana, or if we did, you wouldn't be able to find anything on it, right? Uh, so please take advantage of that. We wanna see everybody, wherever you're coming from, we'd love to celebrate that. So we've got reflection questions on the screen that'll guide you for the next eight to 10 minutes. During that same time, if you'd like to join the South and City Church Collective on Facebook and offer a post about where you're showing up right now so that we can join you. If you wanna uh, write something on a tag and take it to a map, or if you want to book a brunch reservation or work on your grocery list, that's completely fine too. Uh, but we're just going to jump right into this before we make a move to the collective call that we're going to hear from next. Uh, this will take us about eight to 10 minutes. Use this however you find to be fruitful. Sound good? Good. Ready, set, go. All right. If you're listening to this podcast, obviously you are not standing in front of the maps, but there are a couple ways in which you can engage in this time. The first is that if you want to create your own map at your home, or maybe it's a map that's at someone's home in your neighborhood, where you set a tangible reminder of where you are showing up or where you want to show up, you can totally do that. Another way that you can use this next time is to actually jump on our Facebook collective yourself. The link is in the show notes below. If you're not yet a part of that, you will need to be approved before you can post, but just know that you can jump in there as well to post what you're doing in your community wherever you are. Or you can take the next couple minutes to reflect on the Good Samaritan story. You can do so by reading it yourself, or you can Google Lectio Divina for Good Samaritan. There's a lot of great resources out there. But you can take the next few minutes to do any of those things. Go ahead and hit pause on this. And when you're ready to jump back in with Jason and Principal Shakita Adams, you can go ahead and hit play. Hey, if you're in line for the map, go ahead, stay there. That's great. Take your time. And then you're also welcome to take advantage of the maps uh, after the gathering or in the weeks ahead. But I do want to move on because I'm really excited to introduce to you an opportunity for our church to show up in a collective way. Uh, and the story for this uh, begins with something really hard that happened a few months ago. Uh, you may remember 
uh, the really tragic loss of a young man named Tian Horston uh, here in our city um, uh, who was shot and killed and how in the wake of his loss, we were made aware of the chance to show up with some comfort for Tian's fellow students at Jefferson Traditional Middle School uh, in the form of a meal. And so um, having been made aware of that, uh, you all showed up great and gave money so that we could buy that meal. And um, the students enjoyed that meal, and then there were some residual funds from what you gave, and we wrote a check to give the rest of that to the school. And um, I had the privilege of representing us to take that check there, and I spent some time um, with some of the leaders of that school, and in conversation with them, learned about another way that we could show up uh, for all the good work that's happening uh, there at Jefferson. But rather than take my word for it, I thought you would much prefer to hear about it from the principal of Jefferson School. And so um, as she comes to the stage, will you please channel all of your love, respect, admiration, and gratitude for everybody who works in schools around here? Uh, Church, it's my privilege to introduce to you Principal Shaquita Adams from Jefferson. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're thrilled that you're here. Um, So we're going to get to know you a little bit and the school a little bit. uh, But I do want to call out right away uh, in our conversation that day, you and I were talking, but also Monica Rome, who's right over here, the social worker for Jefferson was a part of this. So please also say thank you to Monica for her work. Uh, We'll get to the opportunity in a minute, but let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, tell Tell us about you, Shaquita. Well, my name is Shaquita Adams, and I was, uh, I'm born and raised in South Bend, lived here my whole life. Um, I attended a, an elementary school, which is now long closed. Uh, it was a little parochial school on the south side of town called um, Calvary Temple at one time, and then also um, South Bend Christian Academy. I attended there from K through eight, and then I attended Riley High School. <laughs> Graduated from Riley High School, all right, Wildcats. And um, then I went on to Notre Dame, graduated from Notre Dame uh, with a degree in sociology, went back to school, got uh, my teaching license at IUSB, and became a teacher here in South Bend Schools. I have been uh, employed by South Bend Schools since 2000. I spent the first 17 years in the classroom uh, while I was raising my kids. And um, then in 2017, I had the opportunity to go into an administration program, and I did that and um, worked at Riley as the assistant principal for four years before, become, before being asked last spring to be the principal at Jefferson Traditional. Yeah. I, have, um, I also met my husband in college here and um, he's also a a lifelong South Bend resident and we have three kids and one grandson. Yeah, amazing. Um, Tell us a little bit about um, the school that you're at. Tell us about Jefferson. Uh, Let me start here. For those of you who don't know Jefferson, you might have driven by it many times. Uh, It's there on Eddy before Eddy curves over the bridge and becomes Sample, that big, beautiful historical facade that looks out on Eddy Street next to School Field. So that's Jefferson Traditional Middle School. That's where you're at. Tell us about the school and the students. Yeah, so Jefferson is a middle school. It serves grades six through eight. We have about 520 students at at Jefferson. Uh, Our makeup is like 40% white, uh, 40% African American, and uh, the other 20% is made up by all the other ethnicities. Um, 
some are in some are in smaller numbers than others, and um, we serve middle school kids. Yeah, with all the joy and <laughs> yeah. complicated energy of that, I bet. Yes, a lot of drama, a lot of fun, a lot of smiles, a lot of hugs. Yeah. We have a good time. So you've kind of got fresh eyes on this, having been there uh, just for a little while now, which I think probably gives you a perspective on it. Um, we're going to get to what you love about the students, which is fun to celebrate. But before we get there, um, like what are the challenges that the, the school faces collectively? And then I know that every student has their own story, but what are some of the kind of typical challenges that students face at Jefferson? Yeah, so um, our students at Jefferson represent students from all kinds of households. Um, some single parent households, some double parent households. Um, we have students that come from a low economic status. We have students that um, don't. Um, but I would say a large majority, probably 55% of our students are um, economically disadvantaged and they feed into our school from different areas of the city because we are one of the magnets and so students can come from all over the district. And um, at, at times, that shows up in a lot of different ways, in their social emotional health, um, in their, just their needs being met. And so, um, although we have fun and although we um, have a good time and we try to create a positive atmosphere, sometimes that can be a challenge um, with, with our group of kids. Yeah, what do you love about them? What I love about them. So um, last spring I was invited to be the principal at um, Jefferson after the former principal resigned in the middle of the year. So I've only been there since um, after spring break of 22 and then this following entire year. Um, and I, my son, also is a teacher oh, yeah. at Jefferson. At Jefferson. My son is also a teacher at Jefferson. And Wait, he is, was there. Is that great or weird? <laughs> um, a little of both, but yeah. we keep it very professional at work. My parents we barely talk to each other. My parents attend this church, and I always wonder what that's like for them. So I'm sure you have a little support group with them and talk it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, a lot of people tease them and say, you get in trouble at home and at school. <laughs> so... Um, but anyway, my son was already a teacher there when I became principal. And so after about a week at Jefferson, I came home one day and I said, you know, the kids at Jefferson are really nice kids. And he was like, I always thought so too. Yeah. So um, I just think that they are um, a special group of kids. They're eager to learn, uh, most of them. And um, they, 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 they love on us, they give us hugs, they wanna share things with us, they smile at us, um, but we, yeah, we definitely have our challenges as well. Yeah. Um, can we uh, go back in time just a little bit uh, in the wake of losing Tian, mm -hmm. uh, we sent that meal over there. This is not meant to pat ourselves on the back, but I think like, it's helpful to get a report back sometimes on yeah, just like absolutely. how that went. Can you, can you tell us how that went for the students? So Tian was a sixth grade student yeah. and um, his loss was tragic for our whole community. He was only 11 years old, and um, there were sixth grade classes that remembered having him in class, and they remember his seat, and well, obviously they would. And um, so for weeks, I probably say through the end of the school year, because it happened like the end of April, um, or the middle of April, um, through the end of the school year, we're just really, really, um, traumatized by that whole event 
as you would expect. And um, so the meal that you provided the day that your church was able to provide that for our students allowed us to come together in the cafeteria, kind of celebrate him and, you know, just enjoy a time of fellowship. It was, there was no class. We just kind of came together. Um, they were able to eat along with their teachers and just kind of say this was our friend. Yeah. And so that was for the sixth grade class that we did that because he was a sixth grader. And then um, the residual funds that you were able to raise, we used that for our end of the year um, summer send-off, we called it, which is like a field day that we yeah. had that day at the, at the very last day of school. So um, yeah. we were very, very appreciative of that. Well, it was our honor, uh, we, the least we could do, really. Um, when I had the privilege of bringing over that residual check and hanging out with you and uh, Monica, and um, I was curious to just kind of check in on how the, your students were doing and how you were doing. And I forget the detail, but I think I just asked something like, is there anything y'all need right now? And then Monica like blurted, like, <laughs> I was like, uniforms. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, what I loved about that was, um, Monica, I know you're, you're in there every day with these students, you see their life. And the, the urgency and the clarity told me like, this is like really obvious to you and you are the experts on what would help. It's also like a pretty like concrete thing that, that uh, I came back to our team and I was like, we should be able to do something about that, right? So let's talk about uniforms at Jefferson. Um, we'll get to the, the opportunity, but why are uniforms a part of student life at Jefferson? And then we'll clarify how we can help. Yeah. First, let me say, um, can we give another round of applause for our wonderful social yeah. worker? Monica Rome, who not only supports me as the leader of that building, but also supports our students every single day. She also traveled with me today <laughs> to be here just for more moral support and um, to also to offer some more uh, information. But uniforms are provided across all of the the, um, or excuse me, expected across of all of the South Bend School middle schools um, because it just kind of levels the playing field for our students. Students that are economically disadvantaged are gonna come to school with different clothes. And so if we can have uniforms, if we can expect uniforms to be worn by our students, then that kind of just takes away all of that. It helps them concentrate on learning. It helps them, it, I think it's actually cheaper for parents to buy uniforms. Um, but we have three colors, for, or three colors for pants and five colors for, for tops that students can wear. And um, we try to keep a uniform closet stocked mm -hmm. um, so that when students are having issues, if they, um, they don't have a washer and dryer at home or are unable to wash and dry, we have a washer and dryer on our campus. So we try to keep them washed and ready to go and stacked in our uniform closet. But when we run low, then that obviously causes a problem. Um, it also makes our teachers happy mm. because they like the stu students all uniform. And um, so when we have that uniform closet stocked, then we can just easily whisk the kid away, give them a shirt, give them a pair of pants, and they're back to class and no harm, no foul. Yeah, as you were talking through that, I, like I heard like dignity for students, I can imagine. I mean, I know families of all advantages and disadvantages, like kids grow out of clothes at the worst possible time yep. and it's not in the budget, or kids live the way kids live, which means like there's holes in the clothes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, so I heard dignity for students. I heard um, 
you know, some calm and peace for teachers. And I heard something that I just felt like, couldn't we just like knock this out for a year? Couldn't we come together and, and, and close the gap in the uniform needs for the students of Jefferson? And so that's what we're going to do. Uh, so uh, for the next four weeks, it's going to look like this. Um, you can either bring in fresh uniforms, fresh uniforms. This is not a chance to like, clear out your closet for the year, right? The uniforms can be polos in the colors of black, white, gray, and blue. Blue can be light, royal, or navy. And pants are black, blue, or khaki. These are slacks uh, for, the, for the classroom. Uh, you can bring in new clothing over the next four weeks and drop them off on a Sunday throughout this month. Just bring them to church. Or you can give to a fund online that we've created. It's the Jefferson Uniform Fund at southlandcitychurch.com give. And every penny given will go directly toward the uniform need at Jefferson. And I just think there's no reason we shouldn't be able to knock this out uh, for the students at Jefferson uh, Middle School this year, right? Okay, good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, uh, t tell us a little bit, um, I know from talking to you and from the 9, 9 a.m., um, your husband's a minister. Uh, Principal Adams gave up Sunday with her church family to be with us and uh, our church family today. Thank you for that. Um, I am curious, I, I think we all are somewhat aware that um, education and administration, these are challenging roles. You're intersecting all kinds of needs and energies, and I've heard from you that faith is part of how you navigate that, how you find strength for that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I... Um as you said, um, my husband and I attend, and our ch kids attend uh, Mount Carmel Missionary Baptist Church here in South Bend on the south side of town. And we've been members there for a long time. Um, faith is, is everything to me. Uh, I don't think I could do my job uh, at all effectively if I didn't and wasn't able to lean on God and lean on, lean on my, my faith in Jesus Christ. Um, at, when I started at Jefferson, the very first thing I did was try to find my people. And what I mean by that is believers in my building who wanted to come together and um, be a part of a prayer circle. So every Monday morning, and you're all invited from, from today on, every Monday morning at 9 o'clock, we get together in our prayer circle and we pray um, for the week ahead just because of the challenges that we face and um, um, there are conversations with parents that are difficult sometimes. There are conversations with students by far that are difficult. At times there are conversations with teachers that are difficult. And sometimes, well, every time when I pray, I ask God to help me navigate those situations in those conversations because I know that I can't do it without him. And so we, we, um, get together every Monday morning at nine o'clock and we pray and you are all welcome to come and be a part of that circle. And we only do it for about 15 minutes nice. every Monday morning. Short and sweet. Um, and then we're on our way, we're off and running. So they so. can just come to the front door which faces Eddy Street there, right? That's and correct. Just like buzz in and let people know that they're there for Principal Adams Prayer Circle. That is correct. And that's a real invitation. I also love that um, maybe some of us aren't in a position to help like financially with the uniforms, totally get that. This would be another way that you can bring heart and spirit to supporting um, everybody at Jefferson. So Mondays at 9 a.m., that's a real invitation. Yeah. And just so that you know, um, that is an open invitation because um, the students are not in the building yet. Mm. So if you were wondering, can you do that when you, without having a background check? You can, mm. because we do not allow students in the building until after that. So 
um, you can come as long as kids are not there. So. Perfect. That's good to know. Uh, well, speaking of that, um, uh, we're going to spend the next four weeks working hard to cover the uniform gap. And then we also would love to pray for you and uh, for Monica and everyone at Jefferson, um, the adults working there and the students. Um, and then out of that prayer uh, for Principal Adams in the school, uh, we're going to go right into a prayer that Amina is going to lead us in. And in that prayer, uh, sort of a prayers of the people, and we're going to expand our prayers for the world that we're living in right now. Uh, when Amina leads us, anything including the first slide that's bold and italic, uh, we invite you to speak those words with her. And then when she's done, I'll offer a benediction. But we're going to kind of uh, take our way out of here through prayer today, if that's all right with you all. Uh, if you're able, you stand to your feet. And will you say thank you again to Principal Adams as we do this? Let's pray. A loving and good God, we thank you uh, for the goodness, the joy, the power, and the beauty of our public schools. Uh, we thank you for the service that they offer to all of these students. We pray today specifically for Jefferson. Uh, we pray for the students there, that Jefferson would be a place of safety, of joy, of growing, of healing, that they would learn and be prepared for the world around them. We pray too for all the adults who show up to make that a safe and productive place. We pray for custodial staff and teachers and administrative staff and principals who are showing up and giving leadership and uh, their life and energy to that place. I pray specifically today for Principal Adams, uh, that you would strengthen her, that she would sense the wind at her back of your spirit uh, as you guide her and empower her and as you love these students, teachers, and administrators through her. Uh, we pray that um, that school would be a place that basks in your love for every human being who is there. I pray too that um, we would be a church that grows and continues to show up for our neighbors and that with this particular opportunity that we would come through and that we would do uh, this small part in honoring the dignity of those students and helping with uniforms. Uh, we thank you again uh, for Chiquita and we thank you for the school and we thank you for these students who matter so much to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. We all said amen. Together. Lord, we take time to pray for this place we call home. We want to be a people that show up in action and in prayer. And we want to be a people of grace and peace for our city and the world. For our governor, Eric Holcomb, for our mayor, James Mueller, and for the leaders of our city and for all in authority that they would oversee with wisdom, mercy, and justice. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For this city of South Bend, and for every surrounding community, and for those who live in them, that neighboring isn't just a thought process, but that it's an action and a way of life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our local farmers and vendors that bring us life through their crop and product. That we would have seasonable weather that would yield an abundance of fruits of the earth. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our students, pre-K through graduate school, and their teachers, faculty, and staff. That they would enjoy this summer and find moments of rest and that as they prepare to enter into the fall, that they would have the supplies they need and a community that rallies around them. Let us pray to the Lord. 
Lord, hear our prayer. For all healthcare professionals, mental health professionals, and emergency personnel, and for all who tend to the wounds, whether physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual, that they would be cared for in the way they care for us, and that they would find rest in the ways that fill their souls. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all in business who offer our community resources, products, and goods that enrich and entertain us, that they would be sustained in economic uncertainty and feel their community behind them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the aged and infirm, for the widowed and orphans, and for the sick and the suffering, that there would be peace and, where possible, healing and belonging. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for the prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them, that they would be seen, supported, and comforted. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all other longings we find in our hearts today, we hold space. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for this community, South Bend City Church, and all those that call it home, that we would be good neighbors to all of South Bend, and that we would show up when and how we can. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. So may our vision be expanded, that we would see every member of the human family as neighbors that we are called to love. Uh, may we do so even when it calls us to risk bravery and creativity. May we follow Jesus in the way of eternal life that channels this love through us and into the world. Uh, may we knock out the uniform gap at Jefferson this year, and may grace and peace be with you. Amen. Love you all. See you next week.